The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you're having a wonderful and wonderful, wonderful weekend and a wonderful week. 2018 has been Wow, it's been an interesting year so far, hasn't it? I don't know about you, but I, I, any of those, anybody listening who is in radio or is in, in writing, I, I don't know if you had this urge to this week to just give up and kind of feel it's all over. It's, it's all sorted. America's problems are, are fixed. Uh, of course, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, there's two potential new senators coming who are going to save America. You have Hulk Hogan down in Florida, who, you know, will tell you to take your vitamins and say your prayers and, and work hard and will rip his shirt on the Senate floor and go and flex those muscles. And then, which would be very interesting, just for pay-per-view alone quality. The other person you have is, is Chelsea Manning or Bradley Manning running in Maryland. America's problems are sorted. Just, you know, it, you know, on a serious note, if you want to solve your debt, just like make Senate pay-per-view viewing with Hulk Hogan in it and, and Chelsea Manning. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> of course, I'm being sarcastic. I'm trying to, you know, lighten the mood. I want to thank you for tuning in today. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Um, I also want to thank everyone who tuned in and shared last week's show. Last week's show was obviously a very special one. It was just purely immigration. That was the only topic. When the time comes and issues come like that, I'm going to spend more shows, do more shows like that going forward, where it's just a special show where we can take our time, where we can break everything down. And I think immigration was one of those topics that needed to be done on. And I didn't want to rush it and do it in different segments. Today I want to talk to you about a free market principle, I want to talk to you about your economy, I want to talk to you about a founding principle, and I also want to talk to you about a question which I'll share with you now to get you thinking, this will be in the last segment of the show, name the place with the most ideas on earth. I guarantee, can nearly guarantee you my answer will be different to yours potentially. But before we get started, I just want to have a quick chat with you, one-to-one, and just have a, a conversation about this show and where it's going and, and just talk to you about 2018 because I've been really excited for this year. And because I feel we're all family, this is not a, I'm not a host and you're listeners. I, I view us all as family. I, I, I see you all as family. I engage with you as family, even if you disagree with me. I believe it's, I've always been honest up front with you and I just want to share some, some goals of what I want to do and where this show is going and sort of give you a, a you know, sneak peek of what I have planned for 2018. One of the goals I have for 2018, been honest with you, is to serve more. I want to find a way to serve each and every one of you in a better way. And I want to serve the freedom movement more than I've ever served you before. 
I'm still hurting in a way because of my news last year. It's something that will never go away. It's always going to be in the back of my mind. It's always going to be, you know, there. It's never gone away. That pain, that hurt rejection. But I refuse to let it define me and say, you've had this rejection, you've had this setback, you can't do anything. In 2018, with the advancement of technology, there is so much I can do. And I want to do it. So if there are ways I can serve you, please get in touch and let me know. But that is one of my goals for 2018 with this show. With this show, I also want to break down principles for you in the best way I possibly can. I'm doing research, I'm doing reading, to break the principles down in a very simplistic way so that you can listen to them, that you enjoy, that we have fun together on this show, but also that they're in such a simple term, down to its simplest core, that you can easily take them and then wrap your argument around them and then make them your arguments and then go share them. That is how I believe freedom wins. It isn't by, you know, by me sharing me all the time. It's by me making the arguments, serving you, giving them to you in the best way I possibly can, then you taking them and making them your own. So I encourage everyone to, if you think any of my arguments are good, take them, make them your own, use your language, use them the way you'd say them, and then share them. That is how freedom wins, and that's ultimately how we all win. But I'm also going to focus in on some serials, um, some shows that are going to be specific for certain issues. So for the next several weeks, you're going to see a theme running through each show. There are going to be three segments of certain principles each and every show. There's going to be a free market principle each week. I'm going to break down one core free market principle that you need to understand. I'm going to break down your constitution and your founding documents, your Bill of Rights and your Declaration of Independence, a key principle each and every week. And also something I have been on a journey personally of. Ever since probably last September, I've been on a journey my own, changing my own mindset. And one thing I've realized that is 90% of what we do, whether we fail or succeed, is mental. It's that little space above your head, in your head. How does your brain think? How does your how is your brain wired? So one of the things I want to do is I want to break down a, a question or a principle or an idea and share it in a way to hopefully motivate you. Some of them might be apt for you. All of them might be apt for you. You might be a very positive person as it is. But just to get you thinking in a different way, I want to encourage you to chase your dreams. How we're going to do that we're going to do the show every Saturday at noon. It's released in full. But like last year, we're releasing the short clips during the week. The reason for this is twofold. I'll be blunt with you. One is I I understand how precious your time is. Shows like last week where they go on air in 20 minutes. You have, you have a busy life. You've got work. You've got family. You listen to a lot of other hosts. You know, it's it's hard work to listen to, especially a show like Immigration for an hour and 20 minutes. So we give you the option. You can listen in full or you can listen in the short clips and you can kind of break them down rather than I know what it's like. And you listen to another show and you like listen to the first hour and then you go back the next day kind of going, where was I? Where did I leave off? With the short clips, you can listen to one 15, 20 minutes worth, then come back and listen to another short clip. But the other reason we do it is hopefully you will share them. If you, let's say this week, when I talk about a free market economic principle, the economy, you like it, but you don't want to share all the show with other people. You just want to share that specific thing because you have a friend or a family member who really needs to listen to it. Share that only. Share the short clip. Not to get me listens, not to get me anything, but just to so they can see another way, uh, another side of the argument. 
lastly, I will ask you, because one of my goals, as I said earlier on, was to serve the freedom movement and to serve you more than ever before this year. One of the things I want to try and do, and I'm asking for your help, it's what I, I really need your help with this one. One of the things I think I can serve with is doing public speaking. I'm not looking to make money. I'm not looking to, to do earn any money. I'm just looking to get out there, get a message out there, get a, invigorate you, get among your people. So if you have any groups that are near you that are looking for speakers, if you could please keep me in mind. Uh, I have a bio on my website, freedomsdisciple.com. If you, look up, if you just see the top, it has public speaking. Send that page to them or copy that page and send it to them. Just please to keep me in mind. It's something I really want to find ways to serve you. So any help you can provide on that, I'd really appreciate it. When we come back, we're going to talk about your economy because there's been a lot of interesting economic news over the last couple of weeks and a lot of commentators are kind of looking rather foolish. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. There's no way anybody's ever asked Nancy Pelosi (laughs) what her favorite this and that is, let alone what her favorite Maybe her grandchildren. Maybe, yes. Because grandchildren will say, Grandpa, what's your favorite word? I don't know. The... Well, you're you're a lot of fun with the with the grandkids. The word, yes. the word. Yes. Here's a word. Get these kids out of here. I got yeah. work to do. Pat Gray, weekdays from noon to three Eastern, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So our free market topic, and one of the things I want to do is make free market economic topics easy and simple for you to understand. This week, I want to talk to you about your economy, because if you've been following the news over the last two to three weeks, a lot of commentators feel must feel a lot very foolish. That's if they had any conscience, but a lot of them don't. You've seen a lot of great news over the last week. The news highlighted this week was Apple. Apple have announced that they're going to invest around $360 million into American infrastructure and uh, their American infrastructure and and R&D over the next five years. That is a lot, a lot, a lot of money. But that's just Apple. If you've been following the economic news, you've seen lots of companies giving a $1,000 bonus to their employees. Some of them have raised their minimum wage up to $15 an hour. A lot of people have seen, you know, extra parental and maternal leave. A lot of people are seeing, you know, more productivity. It's It's been a lot of great economic news for you. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are focusing on, on the Dow and it's on record highs. There's a lot of good, positive economic news about America right now. But One of the things I think is missing from, and I'm going to say this, I hate using labels, but one of the things I think is important, and this is why I want to talk to you today about, is a lot of conservatives and libertarians who, you know, want to be about principles are missing something right now in some of the analysis I've seen. Should you be proud and and be happy with these results? Absolutely. 
is it is it satisfying does it give you some type of sense of pleasure when you know you can see all these commentators who are like ha ha trickle down economics has never worked and if you think this you're a moron and and you know when you give companies tax cuts they don't pay their employees anymore they keep it it goes to their stockholders you're an idiot if you think anything otherwise is it nice to see you know kind of have a bit of gloating sure i get that i, I totally get that look i I, just because I don't go around insulting people doesn't mean I, I don't get frustrated with your media. A lot of your media sucks. Your your commentators are horrific. I'm not defending them. I'm just like, I don't get any joy in gloating on them because I have such a low expectation. And that's probably the biggest insult I could actually give any of them. My expectations are so low for you that you, I don't even want to gloat when you're wrong, when it's proven you're wrong, because I don't expect anything otherwise. But there is something more that I think needs to be added to this conversation, and that's what I'm going to try and do today. Because economics and and the principles of the free market, it's not about the outcomes. The outcomes are great when they work for you, promote them, advance them. But what's missing for me is the moral reasons and the principled reasons you do things. Not because they work, not because they give you economic impact, but because they are morally right. So let me give you an example, and I'd ask you just to be honest about your fellow Americans. This is not a a liberal thing or a conservative thing or a left-right thing, just America in general. Close your eyes and ask yourself, which of the policies would they follow if you were given these results? America has this choice, binary choice. You can have an economy that if you follow these principles, will average around 3% growth. These are actual countries and actual figures I'm giving you right now. So from 1998, sorry, from 1988 to today, which is 30 years. So you're going to get a 30 years set of policies. If you implement these, you will get around, on average, 3% growth. On average. You will have some spikes. You'll have several goods positive spikes, you know, one up to nearly 10. But you'll also have some negative spikes. But on average, you'll grow 3% for the next 30 years. Sounds good, right? Or you have option two, binary choice. You can have 7% on average growth for the next 28 years. This country only started, uh, the data I can get only goes back to 1990. From 1990 to 2018, it averaged roughly 7% growth. Its worst year, worst year of growth was 3.5%. And it also, its best year, hit around 15% growth, not once, but twice. If you just make free market economics about the outcome, about the result, which do you think the American people are going to choose? Do you think they're going to choose 3% growth with some spikes, or do you think they're going to... They're going to say, I want the 7% growth. I want the economy that your low was 3.5%. That's more than we were averaging for the 30 years. Of course I'm going for option B. Duh. It's a no-brainer, right? If you make free market economics about results, about outcomes, that's your choice. Do you know who those two countries are, by the way? Option one from 1988, the average of 3% growth, was America. Option B 
of roughly 7% growth from 1990 was China. Or should I say, China. If you make free market economics purely about money and about outcomes, what's going to stop you from going to the Chinese model? We have to, and when I say we, I shouldn't actually say we, I should say I, and hopefully you join me. And I don't mean politicians. Politicians will never talk about free market economics because here's the spoiler alert. The reason politicians don't speak about free market economics in general is because for them to speak about free market economics, they need to say, you have the power, not them. And that's not something they're willing to embrace. They have to say, you have all the power, all the control. We have none. That's not something they're willing to embrace. Likewise, the media. If you're looking for free market economics in D.C. or from the media, I'm sorry to tell you, spoiler alert, you're looking in the wrong place. I believe how we change these arguments, how we share these arguments, and how we make a difference in culture is by each of us sharing with other American citizens, with other people around the world, to empower them. For me, free market economics, it's about economics, it's about doing well, but it's also about the first word, free, freedom. I don't know about you, but... I don't want to live in China. I'm sure China is a wonderful place. I've met many Chinese people. They're all... I've never met a bad Chinese person that I can recall. Always nice, always humble. But I don't want, I don't want to live in their country with their government. I don't want to live under the hybrid of, of a capitalist, socialist, hybrid society. I don't want to live in a world or in a country where government has the power. Where the government can literally tell you how many children you can have. If we make economics about the results, what's going to stop someone, politician, rightfully or wrongly, coming and going, hey, look, we have this all wrong. What we need to do is follow China, look at their results, and just bring those results to America. Can you imagine people saying, look, over the next 28 years, you're going to hit GDP growth of 15% twice? Who would say no to that if you make it only about results? For me, America has never been about materialistic objects or outcomes. It has been about the principles of it. So what are the principles of the cause of what has helped this economic boom? The principle, the overriding principle, it's just one actually, one little policy inside a giant tax plan. And that is reducing your corporation tax down. A reduction in corporation tax. That is pretty much all that has helped this boom. So why, what principle do we need to discuss? Well, we need to understand that the moral and the principled argument for that. It's not because they'll, you know, increase the minimum wage or not because they'll give more benefits to their employees, not because they'll give bonuses, not because they'll invest in their economy. We need to talk about that. That's important. I'm not saying don't. That is critically important. But we also need to understand the moral and principled argument that we also need to make. Because right now, to a large chunk of Americans, because of the media, because of politicians talking, they see a tax cut as as the government giving people money back. The amount of people, and I'm not going to make this about corporations, just on a side point. The amount of people I see in America get excited because they get a tax refund. Hey, I got money back from the government. 
The government gave me a check, a refund, and I get to keep it. And they get excited about that. But the terminology is all wrong. It's not that the government gave you money. It's that the government decided to tax you less or because they said we don't need this amount of money because you have benefits and you know you get you know the reasons you get a tax refund but it is your money your money it's not the government giving you money it's your money to start with so on the tax plan what is the moral and principled argument that we need to make do tax cuts work yes you see this in America, you've seen this around the world. You want to just give one example of why a, a tax policy that's low works? Ireland. Why is Ireland seen as this great place to do business? It's not because of the infrastructure, it's not because of the government. Many reasons is because we have a 12.5% corporation tax rate. We're seen as this wonderful hub for business. When you give companies an incentive to work, an incentive to grow, they will do that. The moral and principled argument for the tax cut, it's not just for corporations, it's for, it should be for everyone. Because the spoiler alert is, it's your money. You worked hard to get it. No one, no company or individual gets money for doing nothing. You offer a service or a product that people went, I want that And they were prepared to take their money and kind of go, oh, how much is that service? Oh, that's $1,000. Okay, no problem. I'm going to pay you that $1,000. They needed it. They wanted it. They desired it. They got it. So that company makes a profit. The argument is to say, we want everyone to have this right. To enjoy the fruits of your labor. To control your own destiny. And to be able to keep what you earn. And that is a principle that is for the poorest in society, the richest in society, corporations, and everyone in between. Regardless of how many people you have in a corporation. Whether you're like a little one-man band who just goes out and paints and decorates by yourself. Whether you're a, a mom-and-pop store where you have like some family members and you might have a full-timer or two. Or whether it is the giant corporation like Amazon who hires thousands upon thousands upon thousands of staff around the world. The principle is the same for everyone. It's not a principle for you and a principle for me. It's the same everywhere. You have a right to keep the fruits of your labor. But what's frustrating to me is we need to counter the narrative. This, this, and I hate using this term because it's meant as a slam from the left to defend trickle-down economics. Should we defend trickle-down economics? Absolutely. This idea, and if you watch some of the commentators, there's many videos out there, the Blaze did one. Or not the Blaze, uh, the Washington Free Beacon, sorry. Where they have all these people, political commentators, you know, these people who are in smart suits, and, and they, they're just so smart. They're just so much smarter than me and you going, oh my God, what type of imbecilic moron are you if you think you're going to give a company a tax cut and it's going to pass on benefits to employees? What type of, of uh, this is not the way businesses work. You're an idiot if you think so. Well, study after study shows that's wrong thinking. Study after study shows companies want to, whether it's for the the moral and principle reason, or if you want to just talk economics, to keep their employees happy. 
If you want to talk the moral and principle, a happy employee does better work, does better service, gives you a better return on your investment because you invest in their wages. It makes the company grow. It helps better. Also, a happy employee generally, obviously, you know, advancement and, and promotion aside, a happy employee generally doesn't leave. And there is study after study. If you want to Google them, do them. The cost of, re- of, of replacing someone is a lot more than keeping someone happy. So if giving a $1,000 bonus to someone, that's nothing to these companies. That's nothing. That's a drop in the well for a lot of these companies who are giving it. It makes them happy. It makes them feel appreciated. The economic benefit is there. It's simple. But trickle-down economics. Let's just focus in on the big news of this week if you want to talk on economics. Apple. And let's use the language of the left, because this is what I always try and do. Let's use their language against them to show and make an economic point. If you listen to the left and you listen to the media, you've heard this line. All those millionaires and billionaires, they just want to get more money. They, they're just greedy SOBs. They want more money. Yes, that is true. And why does that benefit everyone? Let's use Apple. If you give Apple a giant tax cut, which you gave everyone with this new corporation tax, it has a now has a chunk of money. Whether it knew it or not, it earmarked that chunk of money for to corporation tax to pay it. It earmarked it. It said that's now tax. Effectively, by giving them a tax cut, they're now going, you know that chunk of money we'd earmarked to pay to the US government for our tax bill? We now have that in our company. What are we going to do? The million, let's use the language of the left. They're millionaires and billionaires. Tim Cook has now a chunk of money. What's he going to do with it? He's going to try and make more money. Why? Why? Because he's a millionaire and a billionaire and he's a greedy SOB. Uh-huh. They're not, no company is going to sit there and just have a chunk of money and just let it lie. They want to invest it. They'll invest it in their staff. They'll invest it in technology. Or they'll try and find, which I believe Tim Cook is going to try and do, the next great product, the iPad, the the iWatch, the iPod, whatever it is, their next great innovation to secure the company. But let's not look at this as a bad thing. Because everyone wants is greedy in some way, shape, or form. Let me give you an example. Imagine I'm your stockbroker. And I, I look after your 401k. And I come to you and go, hey, guess what? I have this wonderful company to invest in. And you're like, okay, tell me more. And I give you the details. I give you the name and what they do. And then we get to the financial. I go, the stock price right now is $10. But, you know, the, 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 the owner, the CEO, the top dog, he's not greedy. He's not selfish at all. He, he's okay with the status quo. What he wants to do is he has this great plan, this wonderful, brilliant plan that in 10 years... Their stock is going to be worth $10. Are you going, John, sign me up for that? I want that company. I want to be part of that company. I want to invest in that company. No. You're going to go, ah, wow. Wow. Or imagine I came to you with a company, with Apple, right? Apple has just announced it's going to invest $360 million. Billion, sorry, not million. Billion dollars in America. It's going to find this new, great new product. I think they already have something. I think this stair could go up double in price in the next five years and I show you the trajectory of, of Apple and I show you what it's done over the last couple of years you're going to say invest in it aren't you why because we're all greedy economic greed can be a good thing let's just look at Apple Apple announcing this big investment since Apple and the reason I'm using Apple it's not because I'm an Apple guy 
even though I like their iPad, I'd be lost without it. It's because they're in the news this week. What happens when Apple take a chunk of money, like their $360 billion over the next five years, and invest it? What is the economic benefit of it? Well, let's go through it, shall we? First of all, the economic benefit is potentially more jobs. Directly or indirectly, either Apple will hire a load of people for R&D, or they will have to hire people to grow new shops because they're, they're saying they're going to expand their shops. So people will have to put those businesses together. You know, people, you know, uh, construction people, if it's a new building, or, you know, store outfitters, um, all, the, all the lights and the electricity, all that will have to be created and put into the shops. All those jobs, all the insurance, all the sales staff, all the management staff, all the products that they're going to have to make. But we also forget the economic benefit to each and every one of us. The great thing about free market economics is we get to decide where we spend our dollars. And the economic benefit, I'd be lost in many ways without my iPad. The fact I have a little computer that turns on in a second, that I can get email, internet, music, camera, apps, games, words, Excel... Or it's not Word or Excel, there's, I can't remember the name, Sheets is one of them. Um, but it's like Microsoft Word, it's just Apple's version of it. I can work on it. It's incredible. I can message people, I can phone people, I can Skype. It's wonderful. I'd be lost without it. Watch the blaze on it. It's, a, it's wonderful. Access all the apps. I can listen to, like SoundCloud, you can listen to me if you want to. That benefit is to each and every one of us. iPads have made my life easier. I'm sure I'm not the only person who's thought about this. That is the economic benefit. In free market economics, people only get rich because there's someone, they had a product or a service people wanted or needed, or that made their lives better. That is the great thing. We need to make the moral argument that all this tax cut did, it wasn't take money from the government. It wasn't the government giving you money back. It was the government saying, you know what? We want you to keep more of the fruits of your labor. You know what else it's doing? It's saying the moral principle of saying, we want you to control more of your destiny. We want you to be more independent. You decide what's best for you. Yes, you might succeed. Yes, you might fail. But you are in control of your life, whether you're an individual, whether you're a small business, whether you're a big business, regardless. That is all that it did. And for me, yes, talk about the economic benefits. Talk about the principles as well because we need to make the case for the principles of free market economics because if we don't make the principles argument and the moral argument one day a politician will come to power and go you know what we need to do we need to follow the chinese model and get seven percent growth and that will bring jobs back to america it won't because america needs freedom it's not just about the economic output it's about the principles as well let's talk about both and that is what we're going to do on this show. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I want to talk to you about a founding principle today. I want to talk to you about something 
that I think is critical. But before I get to my answer, I want to ask you a question. Just something to think about if you have a few minutes over the next few days. Just close your eyes and and go to a quiet place and just say, what is the foundation of my life? What is the foundation, foundational principles a lot of my life is built upon? What is the one argument or two arguments that a lot of your discussions come back to? Whether it's about economics, whether it's about freedom, whether it's about government, they always come back to this point, this core foundational principle. For me, I'll give you my answer. A lot of my arguments, and even if I don't say it, it comes back to this, you know, it's, it, I indirectly say it. It's an American principle in your Declaration of Independence, and it's also a principle of my faith. In American sense, these are the words you'll know. All men are created equal. In a spiritual sense, we are all God's children. We are all special. I think that's something we need to discuss. Because right now, how many people think everyone is created equal? And bear in mind, I said created equal. How many people actually want to achieve it? Do we even want to achieve that stature of life anymore? Before we ask some more questions about this, I want to share an analogy with you. Because if you follow this show a long time, one of the things you know I try and do is I try and break down world history in very simple terms. In the history of the world, if I was to describe it in one word or in one way, it would be the analogy of chess. You ever play chess? That is the history of the world. For those who have, don't play chess, let me explain. Chess is a game where you have a set of people, two sets of people opposing each other. One's white and one's black. It, not necessarily a race, it's just that's the, the color of the pieces. This is not some type of racism or covert racism in this show. Because you never know what people talk about today. Each set is an army. They want to defeat the other side. And each side in the game of chess has the exact same pieces. You have two castles, two rooks, two bishops, a king, a queen, and eight pawns. The idea of chess is to defeat your enemy. It's to kill them in some way. The thing about chess is that people don't like is that different pieces move different ways. So let me give you an example. A pawn can only move forwards and one step at a time. A bishop can move as many spaces as it wants in a diagonal fashion, once nothing is blocking it. A queen can move forwards, backwards, sideways, diagonals, as many spaces as she wants as long as nothing is blocking it. If you understand chess, the idea is to defeat your opponent and win by checkmate. But there's also a scoring system in chess. So a pawn is worth one point. A bishop or a rook is worth three. A castle is worth five. And a queen is worth nine. This is the history of the world. What we are saying 
in this analogy, the way I see the history of the world in, in, in a very simplistic way, is one set of people can only do one thing. You can only be a pawn. You're born a pawn, you are a pawn, for your life you'll die a pawn. You never change. There's no upward mobility. There's no sideways mobility. A knight will always be a knight. A bishop will always be a bishop. And we also have kings and queens. And we have to do everything we can to protect them. We always have our guardians. And they are somehow more noble, better than us. But we also have, if, you ever, if you've played chess, you'll understand the strategy. There's many strategies in chess to win. But if you ask a chess player, hey, look, will you sacrifice your pawn to get my bishop? Absolutely. Will you sacrifice your bishop to get my castle? Absolutely. Will you sacrifice your castle to get my queen? Yep. We sacrifice or those in power will always sacrifice others for what they perceive as the greater good how many people can you make an argument for all being created equal in the game of chess because they're not that is the history of the world obviously the names and the roles change for those who are going, oh, well, what's the, I get the king and queen reference, John, but, but what's the other reference? Like, oh, who's the bishop and who's the rook and, and who's the castle in, in, in the world? Well, we've always had professions that were esteemed more noble. You still have this in a lot of cultures. In some cultures, a priest is more noble and better than, you know, a construction worker. You know, a, a, a lawyer or a doctor is better than a brickie. You know, a, a, a doctor or a GP is better than a cab driver. And society influences them. But you also have the class system. You have your upper class or your rich, your middle class and your poor. We don't ever focus in on who's created equal. One of the problems I see a lot of people struggling with this identity is we're all created equal. But we're not, John. I can hit a golf ball further than you. I, I can, I'm fitter than you. I can run a mile quicker than you. Uh-huh. Well, John, you're better than me. You're a better public speaker than me. I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't speak. Okay. That doesn't change our equality. We all have different gifts and talents. We all use them in different ways, for good, for bad, or, or maybe not at all. We have different attributes that make us unique. I might be able to speak better than you. You might be able to write better than me. You might be smarter than me. I might know more about American Constitution than you. You might know more than the American Civil War than me. That doesn't matter. There are different skills, attributes, and talents. It doesn't change our equality because we are all created equal. And what does created equal mean? Well, for me, it always boils down to what the American founding father said. You're created equal, and you have certain rights. You have a right to life. You have a right to liberty. The original writing was you have a right to property. 
It was changed to the right to pursue your happiness. They are the same regardless of where we come from, regardless of our skills. It's not the rich that get this. It's not the poor that get this. It's not the middle class that gets this. It's not the the sports athlete that get these. Everyone gets them because they are from God. We are all created equal. For those who want a scriptural reference, I'd share the story with you about the person who got one talent, the person who got two talents, and the person who got ten talents. They got different talents. They used them in different ways, but they were all created equal. They didn't have more rights or less rights than the other. That is the great thing about the founding fathers. They knew we were created different and individualistic, and we would have different talents. But they said we are all created equal, and we have these rights which I just listed in the Declaration of Independence. But then they went further with your Bill of Rights. So many other times in history, like the Magna Carta, it speaks about all being created equal, but it doesn't really mean all. It only means a fraction of society. All free men are created equal. But if you're a peasant or a slave, you're not a free man. You're not equal to anyone. You look at at the class system in England and around the world. Again, there are many different classes, but let's just keep it simple. There are three, lower, upper, and middle. The lower person looks has no one to look down on. He's just looked down on by everyone. The person in the middle class looks down on the lower class, but is not as superior as the upper class. And the upper class just looks down on everyone. I'm better than you. I'm upper class. Oh, I'm so upper class. Oh, you peasants. No, we're all created equal, pal. I would ask you today, have we ever achieved all men have been created equal? Have we ever achieved it? I don't think we have. And being honest with you, I don't think we ever will. Because human interest is so unique. But I'll ask you another question. Do we actually want to? Who are the people in society today? And this is not just an American thing. This is a worldwide thing. Who are the people today? Who are the leaders today who actually want equality? Who actually want to share a message that we are all created equal? There's a large chunk of America that claims to be Christian. There is a large chunk of Europe that claims to be Christian. Who actually wants to talk about equality? That we are all created equal? Or have we just bought into man's arguments of how we're different? Because look at our look at the arguments today. Again, this is not about America. This is about the world. Look at the arguments that we're seeing. The old enemies from the past rise up. We have the white supremacists, the KKK, the neo-Nazis. Well, we're white. We're better than everyone else. We were here first. Look at all the good white people have done. Uh-huh. Wonderful. In other parts, you have black power. Hey, Whitey, you've had your go. It's our turn now. You screwed this planet up. We're going to fix it. You've ruled for all these hundreds of years. It's our turn now. Why is it your turn? Because I'm black and you're white. Okay. Look at the feminism movement in parts. The radical feminism movement. The radical movement of, hey... Man, you've had your turn of power. It's our turn now. It's women's power. You know what's funny and kind of is also very tragically sad? 
better world. You know who the you know one of the common traits the biggest bullies have? Usually. The biggest trait they have is they were all bullied at some point in their past. Now maybe this is just my brain and I'm just wired differently. I'm like, woohoo, cuckoo, cuckoo, woohoo. But if you've been through bullying and you've been bullied, logic in my brain says the last thing, if you've gone through horrific bullying and it's really painful, the last thing you really want is to have someone else go through that. But human nature and human experience says, no, if I've been bullied, I'm going to bully someone else. I'm going to have someone else feel my misery. I've read the stories, many, many stories about what slaves went through, what black people went through in America. It is horrific. It's horrific around, around the world. There is nothing that, says, that makes me go, well, that was, uh, that was okay. It's horrific. But slavery is not an American problem. It isn't even an African-American whitey problem, quote-unquote. It's the history of the world. The first slaves were Jews. They weren't based on race. They were based on their religion. But even that doesn't matter in the sense of man wants to control other men. Because we don't believe in all men being created equal. We want to practice the chess pieces. I'm better than you. You're only a pawn. It doesn't matter why I say you're a pawn. I could say you're a pawn and useless and and wordless and and should be sacrificed because you're black. Because you're white. because Because of your sexuality. Because of your gender. It doesn't matter why. It's the fact that no one has that right to declare you have no worth. Look at some of your election promises from everyone on the quote-unquote Republican Party to the Democratic Party to everyone in between. They all say a version of this statement. The success of the American economy is when there is a strong, healthy, vibrant middle class. Is that promoting all men being created equal or is that just saying one class is more important than the others? What about the rich? Ah, screw the rich. They can look after themselves. They're only a bunch of greedy millionaires and billionaires. What about the poor? Eh, there's a safety net. But the middle class is where all the action's at. We need a strong, growing, vibrant middle class. Look at the arguments today about abortion. Pro-choice. I'm more important than, than this blob of cells. I'm more important. I have a right to control my body. I'm more important than that bunch of cells. That doesn't have that bunch of cells. That could be anything, really. You know, can you imagine the headlines if that was actually true. That bunch of cells in in a woman's tummy. That could be anything, really. Can you imagine the headlines if that was actually true? Woman gave birth to a pineapple today. That'd be hilarious. Woman gave birth. <gasps> woman was pregnant. Woman went to hospital. Woman gave birth to a banana. Wow, what a story that would be. I'd say she'd be shocked. Huh, a banana? Or uh, maybe a woman gave birth to a dog. Doesn't work that way. It's not a bunch of cells. It is a life. It's a precious life. And even the left, quote unquote, get this. Do you remember last year? Or maybe it's a bit longer. I'm, I'm crap at time. Remember last year when Beyonce was pregnant? 
or two years ago. They were doing all these photo shoots and, and how great she looked and how maternal she looked. And, and she just had this glow about her. It's amazing. We want it. We love it. We don't want it. Eh, it's only a bunch of cells. Get rid of it. Who wants all men been created equal? Since this week, earlier this week, you celebrated Martin Luther King. You celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King. Everyone always seems to forget the first word. Everyone always seems to drop the reverend part. Why was he so successful? We've discussed this in the past. Why was he so successful? Because he wasn't about black power and black getting their turn to run and destroying old whitey. He could have easily done that. Could have been justified in doing that if you see, if you, if you witness and read some of the stuff he went through. But he wasn't. He was about, let's judge a man by the content of his character, not the color of his skin. Who really wants that today? And bear in mind, just something to put in mind. I don't want to talk about this too much because it's, it's not my thing. But what are we teaching our kids and our grandkids? But also, what are we teaching artificial intelligence? We're not teaching them all being created equal. There's a, right, there's a pecking order. You are worth a certain amount of points. You're worth a certain amount of points. You're worth a certain amount of points. Which world do we want to live in? What America do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world where we are all created equal? And we all have certain rights or a certain sub part of society says, I'm better than you. I have more rights than you. I have more power than you. I can control you. And for those listening, they're kind of going, well, you know, because I had this said to me a while, uh, I think it was last year sometime. Well, the only reason you ever talk about equality is you know whitey's reign is over, John, and you're white. I'm like, wow, that was great insight. You're white. Really? On a side note, am I really white? Have you ever seen pictures of me? I I look at me, I'm more cream beige. I'm not white. But that's just a side point. You you know what time is over. So all of a sudden, you're just doing this to, to talk about, you know, equality because you know your time is up and Whitey's time is up. And now all of a sudden, because you know your time is up, you think you can get us to negotiate with you. No. If white supremacists came and went, you know what, we're white, we're better than everyone else, and you're John, you're white, you're with us, you're better than those people, I'd be the first one going, no, I'm not. I'm the exact same as them. Because here's the thing, my color does not define me. I'm not. My being white does not define me at all. At all. What does define me is who I am, what I believe, my Christianity, and my belief my core belief that we are all created equal. Who really wants to live in this world? And since Americans love destiny and love fulfilling promises, will we be the generation or will we live in a world that we finally fulfill Martin Luther King's promise, the reverend Martin Luther King's promise, where we are all created equal and we judge a man by the content of his character, where we can all finally say we are free, free, free at last. Will we follow in those footsteps or will we continue in the human condition, the human legacy of chess, where we pick and choose whose life is valuable or what value they have or define who they are and what they can do? 
The choice is clear. Do you want to dream and let everyone fulfill their own promise? Or do you want to control people and say we are different on any set of characteristics? That is the choice we have. You have as Americans, I have as an Irishman, and the world has. Let us be the generation that says, let's get rid of all these labels. And let us fight for a fundamental right of all being created equal. When we come back, the question is, name the place with the most ideas on earth. I'll be right back, America. Don't go anywhere. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America So what's this question I've been asking you throughout the show to think about for this segment? Name the place with the most ideas on earth Well, there's a reason I've asked this This is a new segment I want to do with you for the next several weeks to think, get you thinking on your mindset. So where is the most, where is the place on earth with the most ideas? Well, what have I told you? The answer I believe or I'm going to make a case for, there's one in every state, one in every country, more than one. There's one in every city. There's probably one in every locality, if not several. They're not an American thing. They're not an Irish thing or a European thing. They are in every country in some way, shape or form that's ever existed or likely will ever exist. So what are the answers? Well, I'm guessing you talk about a Congress or a Parliament where, you know, politicians meet. No. If my question was, where are the most ideas to screw people and, and to take control of their lives and tell others what to do? Well, then, yes, you probably would be correct saying Congress because they are great at telling others how to live. What about Silicon Valley? They have loads of ideas. They're talking about artificial intelligence. They're talking about self-driverless uh, driverless cars. Talking about all this technology, implants, memory, data. Again, that'd be wonderful if I was talking about technology, but I'm not. What about Wall Street? You know, where all those, all those money makers are. You know, the millionaires and the billionaires. All those stockbrokers. They, they've got loads of ideas, right? They manage my 401k. Maybe. Maybe they have great ideas. I don't know. How about the the Chamber of Commerce? Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure they have wonderful ideas. They're great people. By the way, on a side point, last week's show when I brought them up, a couple of people weren't too happy with me, including them. They weren't. They kind of were angry in some ways about me speaking bad of the Chamber of Commerce, which I found funny. What about all these big companies? You know, those companies like Apple. You spoke about Apple earlier on. They have great ideas. They're going to invest $360 million 
over the next five years. They must have some great ideas. What about Amazon? Amazon's buying all these other companies. What about Google? Google. Google's controlling the world. I'm sure all these people have great ideas, but I want to take you in a different direction. The place I think in this world that has the most ideas is the graveyard. What what did he just say? Yes, I said the graveyard. Bear with me for a second, indulge me. I'd ask you to think about your local graveyard. Doesn't matter what religion, what faith. Think about all the men and women that are buried there. Think of their backgrounds. Think of the lives they lived. Think of their ages they died at. If you feel the need, think about their differences. You know, their different sexualities, their different fates, their different religions. Their different class systems. Think about all the things that make them different. Think about some of their stories. Now, a lot of people will think this is morbid, but I just want to bear, bear with me. Because I want to talk to you about your mindset. I am going to get to a bigger point. And as you think of that graveyard, I want you to think about how many people in that graveyard had something inside them that they never accomplished. They had some great idea. An idea that was going to change the world. But they never quite got around to it. How many people do you think are in that graveyard that didn't ha- had a great idea but didn't achieve it or didn't go for it because they were afraid to? Many people had this great idea, this, this wonderful idea that they were convinced would change the world. But they were just too afraid to. It was too risky. I just couldn't find a way to do it. How many people in that graveyard surrounded themselves with all the wrong type of people? They could have done something. They could have made something in their lives, but they went in with the wrong crowd. And then they just never got around to achieving their full potential. How many people in that graveyard surrounded themselves either by choice in their friends or by birth with their family who had energy drainers? You know, those people who, no matter how great a day you're having, no matter how good you feel, you just see them and they just make you feel like crap. You just feel like, oh, just the world has no hope. How many people were born with a great idea, with greatness inside of them, but were just surrounded by family and friends who never believed in them, who laughed at any time they had dreams? That they fostered a culture that anytime anyone had a dream or, or had this idea that they were told, you can't do anything. You come from here. You're lower class. You can't do anything. You're only a peasant. Many times you see this, even, and this happens even today. Many people today have convinced themselves, let's just use a city like Detroit. How many people have convinced themselves because other people have told them, you're from Detroit, you can't achieve anything? 
or you think of some of these these slum neighborhoods in America, around the world, anywhere, just wherever you picture a slum neighborhood, a really, you know, deprived area. How many times, how many times you see in the culture that those are the people who bring others down, who want to get out of that culture, who want a better tomorrow, but they are dragged back in by that culture. That says, you're from this slum, you can't make it. You want a better tomorrow. It doesn't work for people like us. Life doesn't work that way. How many people are in a graveyard now because they bought that line, that baloney, and had a great idea, had this great potential, but never achieved it? How many were silenced? How many had a fear, their great fear wasn't failure, but having that idea taken from them? That somebody would come along and they would take all their hard work and make it their own and they would be the ones to be successful and not them. How many people didn't have anyone to encourage them? But lastly, I want to focus in on this point. How many people do you think are in that graveyard who had this great idea and they always said, I'll get to it tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. But for them, sadly, they didn't have a next day, next week, next month, next year. You know, if you've been following the news in Europe, I this week has been very interesting for me. I've seen, when I say see, I mean just through the news. I didn't know these people. Two people die unexpectedly. One was someone you may know. You may have heard of her. You know when you're growing up as a kid, uh, you always have a kid crush, right? Or if you're like me, it's several. You know, just women that you... In my, I'm saying for me now. Women that just were just so beautiful and just... You just had a big crush on them. You don't need me to fill in the blanks. If you're a boy, you know. If you're a girl, just picture, of, picture a, a guy you had a crush on growing up. Just someone who... And regardless of what you find out about them in later life, that crush never ever really goes away. Um, just never does because it's it part of your, it's part of your DNA. It's part of your childhood. There was a band called uh, an Irish band called the Cranberries. Its front, its head singer Dolores died this week. She was forty five. Forty five. It's incredible. It was also. A very tragic story in our community. Again, if you've been following the news, there's a, a, a strain of the Aussie flu in Europe right now. And it's killing people. You know, I've been very sick over the last while. I had pneumonia for Christmas, borderline pneumonia, and I kind of have a bit of a flu right now. I'm getting over it, but you know, I still feel it. While I was a kid in our community, 15, got a strain of it and is dead now. It's hard to think. Wonder what they their plans were. Wondered, you know, was Dolores or the people around her like every other band now? Whether it's Westlife or Boyzone or the Rolling Stones, you know, planning a reunion tour. You know, when we're twenty five years in the business, let's have a reunion tour. We're thirty years in the business, have a reunion tour. It's twenty five years since we released this single. Let's have a reunion tour. You know, everyone does it. Then you release, you know, then you have another reunion tour. Then it's an encore. Then it's another one. 
And it's never you're just touring. It's always, that's a reunion tour. It's, or it's the anniversary of this. It's, it's so funny. I wonder if what dreams she had that she thought, I'll do that next week. I'll do that next year. I'll do that in a couple of years. She never got to him. Now, in case this isn't very morbid and you're kind of been bummed out, it's not my intention. I want to share my intention with you. My intention with you is to motivate you. Because I believe as a Christian, each and every one of you has greatness inside of you. You have a potential to do anything you want. And while the world in 2018 has many challenges, through technology, it also has so many opportunities. Things are easier than they ever were before in some ways. There are no gatekeepers. The reason I'm saying this to you is, if you're sitting listening to me right now, and you have some great idea, or you there's some dream you want to achieve, but you're always saying, I'll do that next week, or I'll do that next year, or I'll do that. It could be something simple like, I just want to get in better shape. I can relate to that problem. I'm doing the same myself. And it's hard. The gym kicks your butt every day. Could be, it could be something of, I want to go on a dream trip. Could be, I want to set up a business. Could be something relatively simple like, you know, I've always listened to you, John. I think I could do a better job. I'd love to have my own show. Go for it. Don't put it off on the long finger anymore. There are no gatekeepers. You can do anything you want. Anything you are looking at in your life saying, I will do this then? Ask yourself, why are you not doing it now? Because here's the sad thing. You're not guaranteed a tomorrow. Heck, I'll give you a call one better. You're not guaranteed to survive till the end of this show. I know, John, you bored the hell out of me. You put me to sleep. (laughs) I'm sorry if I do that. But you're not. We're not entitled to anything. We could go at any moment. We know neither an hour nor the day. Again, I'm not trying to morbid you. I'm trying to motivate you. You can change the world if you want to. I'd ask you just to think of something. And this is very specific to you. And again, this sounds morbid, but I'm trying to get you to really focus in on your dream. Imagine you're on your deathbed. Now, what I want you to visualize is whatever idea, whatever dream you had, imagine they're a being. And they're sitting there with you. Because when you're on your deathbed, that dream, that idea you had is also on its deathbed. And they came to you. But you never invented them or never pursued them or never followed them for whatever reason. Would you be able to justify it to them? Why you never did it? Would you be able to justify how you never achieved your greatness? Because the sad thing is, and the epithet, depending on, on where you are, you might have your name and, and your the, the date you were born and the date you died, and maybe even a message from those closest to you, you know, your parents or your kids or your partner or your family. Never talk about the ideas. They mightn't even know the ideas. Because ideas change the world. You look around. You want proof. You want proof. How did Steve Jobs become Steve Jobs? 
How did George Washington become George Washington? Take whoever inspires you. How did Martin Luther King become Martin Luther King? Because he had a dream and he followed it. Because Steve Jobs had an idea and he followed it. Then he had another idea and he followed that. And then he had another idea and he followed that. Take whoever you admire in society. How did they get wherever they got there? Because they had an idea, but they didn't stay no. They didn't accept no. They went after their dreams. For them, the dream was never for tomorrow or the next day or next year, next next decade. It was for now. Because the seeds they plant today will result in the dream happening down the road. What are you doing? I'm here to tell you, you can change the world. You can make a difference. The question is, are you willing to try? The question is, do you believe you can? Are you hungry enough to chase it? And then the question after that is, what happens when you hit your first obstacle? Because everyone hits an obstacle. Do you use the obstacle and kind of go, well, I tried, but this reason stopped me. This obstacle came and I was expecting it or I wasn't expecting it and I just couldn't get get past it. Or do you see an obstacle as an opportunity to show off a new skill? That you either jump over the wall, that you go around the wall, or quite honestly, that you break through the wall. You hulk up. You take your vitamins and your prayers, brother. And you bush through that, burst through that wall. Do you see it as an opportunity or just go, well, it stopped me in my tracks. I don't know what to do. Whatever greatness is inside you, whatever ideas you have, whatever you want to pursue that you think I'll do next year, next month, next week, whatever it is, don't put it off. We're not guaranteed anything. Start it today. I believe in you. I know you can do it. The question is, do you know you can do it? Because right now, in this world, in 2018, one of the deficits in society I believe we have, and this is nothing more than pure opinion, is we have a deficit of people dreaming for tomorrow. Whether it's in politics, whether it's in business, whether it's in life, a lot of us have accepted the status quo. And I include myself in that, by the way, in some ways. It's easy to accept the status quo. We need to start a culture of dreaming again. Let's dream for a brighter tomorrow. Let's make it happen starting right now, today. Because there is nothing holding you back. You can achieve anything. Hope this has given you something to think about. And I hope that maybe, maybe just maybe, this question, this little segment has maybe given you some inspiration to chase that dream that you were putting off for a while. Because I really do believe in you. You can change the world. just have to do it. You just have to sacrifice. You just have to work hard. I thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this has given you something to think about. As always, we finish the show the same way we always do. Salute your, your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And as always, if you never hear anything else from me, hear this statement. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. And if you enjoyed any of this, the show or different segments of this, please share it with your family and your friends. I'd be, I'm eternally grateful anytime you share anything. I really appreciate your support. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. 
Until then, America, God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 